Hey everybody, welcome to the Fearlessly Authentic Podcast, episodes aimed at presenting truth in a fearlessly authentic way. I'm Jerry, and today is our last episode in our series in the life of Joseph. Today is part two of negative thinking, and we're going to see in this episode, how did Jacob finish with his sons? Let's look at the text and see how Jacob dealt with negative thinking. Notice not only Jacob's uh, resistance, but look at Jacob's reluctance here in chapter 43. So they end the story there in chapter 42 with, well, nobody's going back to Egypt. Take the food, pass it out. We're not going to talk about this again. God's like, all right, I'll wait. You know, God's got all the time in the world, you know, because he created time. So he has all the time in the world. Well, I'll just wait God out. Good luck with that. I'll just wait till God changes his mind. God's not in the business of changing his mind. He's in the business of changing your mind. So it goes on here. And the famine was sore in the land. It came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said to them, go again, buy us a little food. Now what is wrong with Jacob? Right? Is he so absent-minded? They run out of food and he calls the brothers again and says, go down and get some more food. And they're like, I can't believe he's asking. What is wrong with dad? I think he's had, you know, too much time out there on the backside. I think he's lost his mind. Judah says, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, You shall not see my face except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, You shall not see my face except your brother be with, us, be with you. Okay, Judah as we've looked at it, another particular message, we took a whole time to talk about Judah. Judah is coming around from his horrible beginning. Okay? Judah's coming around. Judah has a great ending in this story. Judah has a horrible beginning, horrible middle, but a great ending. And if I had to pick what I'd want to have, I'd want a great ending versus having a great beginning. I don't want a great beginning and then a horrible ending. If I, if I got to pick one, I'll pick the great ending. And Judah has one. Judah has one. At the end, you're going to see that when Jacob is handing out the blessings, he moves the firstborn privilege all the way down to Judah. And it's through Judah Jesus Christ comes to us. Through the line of Judah. Judah, the one who plotted Joseph's selling. The one who was okay with it. The one who lied to his father all this time. The one who um, wouldn't give his daughter-in-law proper respect and eventually ended up having an affair with her unbeknownst to him and fathering a child through her, this is, this, is, this is like not Harlequin, this is Bible, okay? This is the guy that God is going to use, okay? So Judah comes and he says, hey, Dad, you remember the story? Remember that story we told you? Remember that when we came back and everyone was panicking? And you kind of went on to us about who your son is and who, we, who is not? Remember, remember that story? That you made it real clear, if we don't come back with Benjamin, we're not getting any food. So here's the deal, Dad. Either you send us with Benjamin... Well, we're not going. Good for Judah, right? Good for Judah at this time. Notice Israel's response, or Jacob. Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me, verse 6, as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother. I have in my notes, and my Bible says, basically what is Jacob saying to them? Why didn't you just lie? Why didn't you just lie? You see, in Jacob's reluctance, I see three things. First of all, I see denial and delay. And that's what we'll do. 
See, we'll resist for a while to the point is where we can't resist any longer without, without suffering tremendously. And so instead of getting on with God's program, we get into this reluctance thing where we continue to deny what's going on. And delay. His first part of this story is he, he denies the fact that this situation needs to been happening. Hey, go get some food. We're hungry. Dad, did you forget what's going on? Isn't that what we do when the circumstances come? We get in this denial point. We start to think, well, the problem isn't really here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why everyone's so upset. And it was like, what, did you forget what just took place? You're denying the fact of what took place. And then we see the delay, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then his statement, why didn't you just lie? He resigns himself, said Simeon's dead, and he delays any response. Verse 6 he says, why don't you just lie? Or why don't you tell this man that, that you had a brother? And they said, the man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, is your father yet alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to the tenor of these words, could we certainly know that he would say, bring your brother down? And Judah said unto Israel, his father, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and our little ones. I will be surety for him of my hand, shall thou require him? If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear this blame forever. For except ye had lingered, surely now we had returned a second time, dad. Good for Judah. But what do we see here? Jacob's second thing and something that we do, he, he, he moves from de denial and delay to blame and deceit. In response to Judah's plea, he basically says to Judah there in verse 6, he says, he blames the whole issue on the sons. If you wouldn't have told him that you had another brother, we wouldn't be in this situation. It's your fault that we're in this situation. Judah's like, Dad, he asked, the, the prime minister of the country asked us rough. Remember it says Jacob, Jacob, or Joseph spoke to him roughly? Which means that the interpreter wasn't like, oh, well, it'd be great if you could maybe take some time and let us know if your father's still alive. He was like, is your dad alive? Yeah, that, that's what it means to speak roughly. And like, Dad, we just told him the story. Jacob's mean, name means deceiver. True to his name, he asked his sons why they didn't just lie to the Egyptians. And Jacob's response when cornered is always to lie. When his back against the wall, he is willing to be deceitful. Is it any wonder that his sons turned out the way that they did? That's Jacob's M.O. Jacob taught his sons by example that when Times that there were times when he had to twist the truth a little. And then his sons challenged his father. Remember, their seared consciences were being awakened. Let me take a moment and just stop here and make a note to parents. Parents, whether your kids are 12 or 42, sometimes your children are in very difficult straits. And they attempt, as they attempt to convey to you their concern and anxiety while you in anger and pride stop listening to them. Sometimes, parents, you have to stop and listen to what your kids are saying. Judah was trying to, as kindly and respectfully as he could say to his dad, Dad, you've lost your mind. You're wrong. But Jacob would hear none of it. Don't say it to me. I'm your father. And all, the, all that's coming out, you know. It's just denial. It's just blame and deceit. When that happens, we tend to pontificate about some solution and blame and moralize our decisions without even listening to the facts. Jacob's sons were just trying to set the record straight. Then look at verse 11. Their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. <laughs> oh, now you're going to give instruction, Jacob. Oh, now. Thanks, Dad. Now, now that we finally twisted your arm and almost beat you up with it, now you're going to take control and tell us how this is going to work? So listen to what he says. Do this. Take the best fruits in the land in your vessels and carry down the man a present. A little balm and a little honey 
spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds, and take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks carried again in your hand. Pre-adventure, it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise and go again with the man. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. Now, if he stopped there, good for you, Jacob, but he didn't. He ended it this way. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Mm. What, what do we see here? The third thing we see in his, his, his reluctance is tolerance and uncertainty. In his tolerance, when he realized that he couldn't continue to say no and his family not die of the famine, he decided to tolerate the solution which he was against. But in his tolerance, he kind of reverted to another old pattern. He said, let's bribe this guy, just like we did with Esau. Take all these gifts, which aren't required, all they need is money, but take double the money and take the money that they brought, perhaps it was an oversight, and maybe he'll release Benjamin to you and everything will be okay. Is that trust in God or trust in yourself? Not trust in God, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not trust. Jacob could see all the schemes, but he refused to see God's hand at work. That's how we are sometimes. We see all the schemes, and then we figure out all the schemes of how this is going to work out, but we fail to see God at work in our lives. No time to have a prayer and ask for God's direction, just his best plans laid out, and this is how it's going to work. And notice his final comment then. It's his, it's his statement of resignation, his willingness to accept the worst possible scenario. Well, if, I, if this happens, then I'll just die. If, I, if, I, if you don't bring him back, I'll just die, and I'll just accept the fact that I'm going to die. I'm probably going to die. Good luck, but I'm going to die. That's basically what he says. Real positive message, huh? Should we pray and go home? Our reluctance, our resistance, our negative thinking to the situations that happen in life. Let me leave you with this. In our journey of life, we tend to be more negative than positive. Would you agree with that? We tend to view, more, we, we tend to view life more horizontally than vertically. Would you agree with that? We tend to resist rather than to be open to what is new and unexpected. Would you agree with that? Okay. The result is that we become reluctant, suspicious, and closed-minded people. We put up our defenses, and then we claim that everyone's against us and that no one understands us. Now, here's some course corrections for you to help break these habits. Ready? Ready for this? This is the part of the message. If you forgot everything else or you were sleeping, wake your neighbor up. Here's what you need to hear. This is how you correct the negative thinking. Very quickly. Very quickly. Number one, recognize and admit your negative mentality. First, you've got to recognize it. I'm not negative. Okay, okay, you're a little loud. Okay, you're a little loud there. Okay, I think you are. I think you're negative, you know. Much, much of the cure is in confession. Just admit, okay, I think negatively. I, I tend to go negatively first. I tend, to, I tend to go there first. I tend to be horizontal rather than vertical. I tend to be closed off to new things. I tend to not do that, you know. Immediate correction brings an honest admission. Recognize, realize, and admit your negative mentality. First of all, recognize and admit it. Number two, fo- force a vertical view until it begins to flow freely. Force a, a vertical focus until it begins to flow freely. What do I mean by that? Habits just don't go away, right? Habits just don't go away. We need to make a conscious effort to break that horizontal focus that we have all the time. A negative you will greet you in the morning if you do nothing. I mean, you get up this morning, and it's cold. Now, some of you are like, I love the cold weather. God bless you. (laughs) Okay? 
I'm not a fan of turning the heat on. It has nothing to do with the bill. I just, I'm, I'm, I prefer warm weather. Okay? Like 82 every day. Just be great with me. You know, that would be great with me. Some people are like, no, man, I like 2010. I want it to snow. <laughs> well, they have places in Buffalo you can go to. We're <laughs> hoping it doesn't snow in Winchester. At least I am. But man, when I wake up in the morning, negativity faces me right away because it's cold and I'm tired. Some of you guys saw there. How are you doing? I'm a little tired today. Yeah, we are. We are. Why? Because we're just tired. Life is hard. Not an not a old poor me, just life is hard. You know? Life is difficult at times. But if you don't do anything in the morning, negativity's right there and it'll face you and you'll buy into it right away. And it'll be stronger the next day if you don't do anything today. You just give it another day. So today, you need to, when you leave here, you need to have no more negativity. No more negativity. I'm going to see, I'm going to have a, I'm going to stop being so suspicious of everything that's happening in my life. I'm going to start, I'm starting to have a, 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 a vertical viewpoint of it. And I'm going to be open to what's something that's kind of new and something that's kind of different in my life. I'm going to be open to what God is trying to do instead of just being like, oh, well, I hate all this new stuff. How do you force a vertical view? First of all, you pray for strength. Pray and ask God to give you strength. And then second, you make a conscious effort to respond like this. Could God be in this? Is God, God trying to get through to me? How would you, Lord, right now react to this? Lord, I'm not sure what to do, so I invite you to come and help me deal with this. That's how you start to have a vertical viewpoint. Well, you know, the reason that this happens, it just happens that way, you know. There's nothing you can do about it. Right, because God just fell off his throne and broke his crown. God, what are you trying to do in my life? God, I'm not sure how to respond here. Would you help me to respond in a way that will give you honor and glory and help me look at this vertically? Because I'm so tempted to look at this horizontally. I could fix this, but God, I don't want to fix it. I want you to fix it through me. I have to force a vertical view. Then lastly, stay open to a new idea for at least about five minutes. Just give it five minutes. When something new or unexpected confronts you, don't respond with immediate, no. No. You want to do this? No. Hey, this new shit? No. No. Take a moment and tolerate the idea for at least about five minutes. And just, and just you know, you could be surprised at the benefit of remaining open for those 300 seconds. Just allowing God to say, okay, this is my plan. Be open to what I have for you. I've got something that's going to be awesome for you. Negative thinking. It can help you in the sense of when it comes, I can choose to think vertically. I can choose to think of what God's trying to do. Or negative thinking when it comes will hurt you in the sense of that I will continue to follow my path Continue to leave God out of it. Continue to think horizontally. Continue to be suspicious and be closed-minded to whatever God's trying to do. What are you going to do? Jacob didn't do so hot. Didn't do so hot. Negative throughout the whole thing. Negative throughout the whole thing. Well, but he let Benjamin go reluctantly. Reluctantly. He tolerated, but expected the worst to happen. Is that the leadership you want to give to your kids? Is that the leadership you want to give to your spouse? Is that the leadership you want to give to a lost and dying world? What are you trying to do, God? See, it's a, it's a negative situation out there. But you can respond in a 
positive way by taking the mindset that God designed for his disciples and engaging it and then being able to share that with others. Let me pray for you. Lord, I have no idea what your people here are going through at this time in their life, but I do know this. You are El Shaddai, the God of unlimited might, boundless power, and overwhelming strength. Lord, no obstacle formed against you can hold you back. No one intimidates you, and nothing is so hard for you that you cannot accomplish it. You know the end of our story and have the ability to work everything out, so we have, God, no reason to fear. But, Father, we are only human. And that means, Lord, we tend to be negative. We tend to be horizontally focused and intolerant of new ideas. But, God, we've come to the place in our lives where we're sick and tired of these tendencies. We need your strength to help us break those habits, and we need your might to face the future courageously. And with your help, Lord, we start today. Today, Lord, we start today. Give us fresh hope to think positively, to trust in your wise control over everything that we face. Calm our fear, Lord. Calm our fear. Give us courage and a strong confidence in you. Make us enthusiastic as we begin this new way of thinking and this new way of living and turn our focus from the horizontal to the vertical. Help us to continue growing in grace, saying yes to life challenges, and I'm open to life's challenge changes. And I ask this in the all-powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people are saying. Well, that's the story of Joseph. As you can see, Joseph is an amazing story, and we've only scratched the surface of it. And I encourage you to go to your Bible, go to the book of Genesis, and read the entire story, starting in Genesis 37 and going all the way to the end of the book. Catch us next time as we go into another story in the wonderful book of the Bible and teach some biblical principles to help you to be fearlessly authentic.